Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 18. I don't really have any updates for Fun Ideas Productions at this time, so I'll just go right into it. Today's guest is Ted Davenport, and he's a collector of old-time radio shows. He's not your typical fan, or my typical guest, but he collects old-time radio so that he can make it available for the masses. He has run his Radio Memories Company for over 50 years, where he offers old-time shows of the highest quality available on CD-ROM, cassette, or digital download. Here he is, Ted Davenport. Okay, so on the line I have Ted Davenport, and uh, he's known for his website... Uh, called Radio Memories. So, I guess tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got interested in old-time radio. Well, um, I'd always been interested in radio ever since ever since I can remember. And when I was in high school, um, I had a speech class, and they told us to do a uh, a radio play. And I was brought up on television. You know, as soon as television came in, uh, my dad got a set and the radio went off. So I don't, I don't ever remember being exposed to it. <laughs> so we did this radio play. You know, he, he brought in some clips of some other shows to show us what we needed to do. And here was all these people that I grew up with on television that weren't on anymore. You know, there was... Jack Benny, Red Skelton, Lone Ranger, you know, all this stuff was there. Mm-hmm. And I just got extremely interested in it, and I started digging around to where I could find some. And that's how it all started. I was a teenager. <laughs> now, did you actually uncover shows initially, or how did you gain access? Was it record albums or cassettes or... How, uh, how did you initially well, gain access to different shows? I, I started back in the late 60s, so there was... <laughs> cassettes were there, but that just wasn't... Uh, uh, the best recording you could get was on those old reel-to-reel machines. Oh, okay. So that's what I got. Now, I did uncover things. I would uh, go to radio stations around the city and ask if I could go through the stuff they wanted to throw away and I would carry the stuff home by the truck full and uh, it'd just be anything you know it, it, a lot of more mainstream might be stuff like here's the veterans or you know public service stuff they had and then when everybody in town got <clears throat> knew what I was interested in they would call me when they were ready to throw something out. I'd, I'd come get it. You know, I remember one of, one station called me, said they were going to get rid of their 78 record collection. Did I want it? Well, yeah. <laughs> Picked up, I don't know, four or 500 of them. Mm. So, you know, back in those days, they, they just wanted to get rid of them. Wow. <laughs> now, wh- where are you located? Well, Arkansas. Arkansas, okay. Uh, is that where you predominantly have gotten shows over the years, or did you expand once you learned, hey, they're throwing away all this stuff? I, I was basically 
here is where my job was and family was and everything else. So I didn't go looking all over the country, but what you did was you got in touch with other people around the country that were interested in doing this, and when they would find something, they would send you a copy of it, and you did the same for them. So that's how it grew. Okay. Because uh, so it's basically initially just kind of trading. Was there any sort of like conventions back then? Because no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I remember the first convention I got invited to. It was it was uh, Friends of Old Time Radio. Their very first convention. <laughs> it was in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and it was like half a day, <laughs> and I just couldn't see traveling that far for half a day. <laughs> so I didn't go. And then I got invited when, when Spurtback first uh, was formed. Mm-hmm. I was invited to join that, and I did. And uh, it was just basically, this was not mainstream, you got to remember. It was just a few people around the country that enjoyed this uh, did it. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't well-known at all. You, you just had to, if you wanted to start doing this, you had to know somebody. Or <laughs> you didn't get started. Right. Well, I don't my even know if it was. Go ahead. My deal was that uh, if somebody wanted to get started and didn't have anything, i say, okay, I will tape you. You can bring me the blank tape, and I'll tape you what you want. And the only and to get you started and I'll point you in the right direction on you know where to go for trading and uh, because there was this uh, there was this uh, it was a magazine it wasn't really a magazine it was more like a flyer mm-hmm. they put out it was called the National Radio Trader and all it was was classified ads for people that were willing to trade so I'd point them in that direction but the only the only thing I insisted on was that, okay, <clears throat> I got you started, and I didn't want any of this free of charge just to get you started. Now I want you to do the same thing for somebody else that's interested. Hmm. And that's, that's the way things got started. I mean, you're talking about 50 years ago. This was, <laughs> you know, there was, um, there was no internet. There was no computers. There was... <laughs> no smartphones there was it was just you and and your enjoyment of of what you wanted to listen to at home that that was it now were you kind of shocked to discover that other people had a similar interest to you back then or even now (laughs) well uh, um, back then I was surprised to find out that that many people um wanted to to trade and to, um, you know, build up a collection, I I thought I was the only one. (laughs) And then um, they started popping up. Now, now, my gosh, they got so easy now because we had to build things one show at a time. You built your collection one show at a time or one reel at a time, whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. Now you can get on the internet, and there's just thousands and thousands of them. You just all you gotta do is point and click. Right. <laughs> you know, no work to it. You know, it's just there. Mm-hmm. Now 
to find the stuff in really nice sound and close to source, that's a different story. Right. Um, well, it sounds like the ones at least you initially got were source, correct? They weren't just oh, taped yeah. off the air, oh, so yeah, yeah they're probably pretty nice. Pretty uh, much everything in my collection is uh, third generation or better. Mm-hmm. Now, in acquiring this type of stuff, uh, I mean, nowadays it seems like everything is litigious. Uh, did you ever get into any copyright issues or anything like that with the shows you, you acquired or traded or anything like that? Yeah, I was too small potatoes. Okay. So, uh, it wouldn't work their while to sue me. Okay. <laughs> I did get I did get a thing from this one company, ASCAP or something. There, where I was selling this one show that had this one song on it, hmm. and they wanted to be paid for it. It was like eight cents every time I sold them. And after after six months, I sent them a, a check for I think a buck and a quarter. And they told they told me this is really not worth it. You know, don't don't worry about it. Oh, wow. <laughs> actually a pretty funny story um now when you're <clears throat> excuse me i'm getting all choked up too uh in the early days which i guess the early days we're considering 50 years ago um was there certain shows that you wanted access to more than others that were just totally elusive forever i mean you're saying everything's available now on the internet but was, were there just shows you just were just they were like your holy grail that you just wanted to get a hold of at least one episode and could not, for the life of you, find? No, there's still that kind of stuff. I mean, you're, you're talking about there's thousands of shows available, yeah. but not even 10% of what was broadcast. Mm. So, you know, it's just, yeah, there was all kinds of things, um, shows that we didn't have any of. Uh, the big ones was the missing episodes of I Love a Mystery hmm. because you know like one of them um, the, the best one I, I thought was Temple of the Vampires and there's a bunch of those episodes in that storyline that are missing I would have loved to have got a hold of those I've been looking for them for the last 45 years hmm. they still haven't surfaced so Probably never will. Oh, that's too bad. Um, now, I assume, I think I've found that you're friends with Martin Grams, who was a previous podcast oh, yeah. guest. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, has he uh, been uh, helpful in helping you track down certain shows and things like that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Martin and done a lot of things together. Um, we're, I don't want to get into what we're involved in, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, we, we, we work together a lot. Mm -hmm. He's been a, he's been an excellent source. Mm -hmm. And for the, those ones you're looking for, the I Love a Mystery, I know he has the ability to somehow do this to get scripts. Are you interested in things like that, or just the actual finished radio show itself? I, I had to specialize a long time ago, you know, or else I would have been um, building up scripts and, and, and um, you know, premiums and everything else. So I just said, no, I'm, I'm going for the shows themselves. That's it. 
mm-hmm. because I just I don't have the room <laughs> for all that stuff. And um, you know, the room is not that big an issue as it once was when they were on reels and you had them, you know, had the physical thing there. Now you put them on hard drives and you stack them, you know, stack them up, and you can have thousands of shows. <laughs> take up virtually no space at all. Mm-hmm. So, 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 are you still acquiring shows to this day? Oh yeah, oh. every day something new comes in. Oh wow, okay, so yeah, every day, and I've got probably, well, I got a partner between me and him. Um, well, it was actually about three of us here. And we have access to everything. I've got access to everything they have. They have access to everything I have. So I probably have access to over 350,000 shows. Oh, wow. (laughs) So, I mean, (laughs) but something new comes in all the time. Mm. All the time. So is your ultimate goal, or if there is a goal, I mean, just to try to get as many shows as possible, probably not get every show ever made because, you know, probably certain ones don't exist. Yeah. (laughs) Um, My goal is to get as much as possible in nice, in broadcast quality sound. Mm -hmm. I I don't mess with bad sound anymore. Hmm. you know, it's just not worth it. I mean, why listen to something where you have to strain to hear what they're saying mm-hmm. when there's so much stuff out there that came, you know, came right off the disc? And mm-hmm. The sound is high fidelity, so I don't, I don't mess with bad sound anymore. Right. Unless that's the only episode there is, yeah. And I'm trying to fill up the series, you know. Mm-hmm. Then that's that's another story. Then. <laughs> Um, w- over the years, what, what uh, as far as sound quality issues, what, what series or serieses, <laughs> plural, uh, have you seen the most dramatic upgrades in your collection? Oh, all of them. Oh, really? <laughs> it is so much better today than it was when I got started. Um mainly because you know you trade with somebody and you don't know what generation they got you know it, what it used to be you find a series you really like then you start doing some detective work this guy got it from this guy that guy got it from this guy and you track back as far as you can go mm-hmm. and try to get it from the earliest source to get the best sound because mm-hmm. as you know with tape you get a generation loss and we don't have that problem now with uh, digital. There is no, I mean, the 50th generation sounds the same as the first. Right. Doesn't make any difference. So now the deal is, is tracking it to the disc and getting it from the disc. And that's, that's what I look for. And I'm, I get just as excited over a sound upgrade as I do a brand new show. Do you still get things uh, on oddball formats like uh, you're saying reel to reel and other things at this at this point? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm transferring everything, um, you know, from my old collection on tape, <laughs> and there's 
I used to sell on cassettes, so I got all these master cassettes, and there's over 25,000 of those. Oh, wow. So I'm transferring all that to digital. Hmm. So is there any timeline, or you just do a little at a time just every day? I'm retired, so I do it every day. Oh, wow. I I, I doubt I'll even get through before I die. Wow. (laughs) hate to be morbid about it, but wow. There's so much, you know, and I I pick out the important ones and and do those first. Mm -hmm. The ones I I enjoy the most, I I definitely do those first. Now, are... I hate to say this, but are people still paying for these things, or do they just kind of wait around till it's uploaded for free on the internet? That seems to be the way now to do everything for free. Uh, I still, I still, yeah, people still pay me, oh, and good. I'll tell you why they pay me. So for the sound quality, that's why they pay me because it's just uh, none of my stuff, um, none of mine came from MB3 downloads. Ah. Mm-hmm. All mine come from my masters. So they know they're not going to get the same thing they get from every other MP3 dealer or the MP3 free sites. They're not going to get that. They're going to get a cut above. So, And there's people that will pay for that. Mm-hmm. Now, is there anything preventing somebody? Uh, it sounds kind of cheap to do but you know they they buy your copy your pristine copy and then they just upload it for free and then you know that's kind of cutting into your sales at that point is, is happens there... all the time uh... nothing nothing i can do oh well it. so um not unless i wanted to copyright this stuff and then who got the money for all that I right mean, it's legal stuff and plus what would i do if somebody did that how am i going to sue somebody that that didn't make a profit on it. Right, know? right. <laughs> Not much you could do. I would just hope that people would, uh, you know, if they paid for something, that they would kind of keep it to themselves. Right, right. <laughs> you know, like, like give away something you had to pay for. Yeah. So. Good point. Yeah, <laughs> I was just kind of curious about that. Cause I mean, we... use, it, use it for trades to get something else that's good, you know. I just, I just think that people should be striving for a cut above what's free. Mm-hmm. And, uh... That's, that's people. You find people, they don't care as long as they can halfway understand it. You know, that's fine. And that's good. You know, whatever you want. Now, do you make personal appearances these days, like at the like at Martin Graham's uh, Mid-Atlantic Convention and things like that, selling your uh, yes. shows that way? Okay. Yes, I've been there for the last two years. In fact, I had a table there last year. Mm-hmm. Um, did better than I expected to do, but <laughs> still not enough to make expenses. But, mm. um, you know, you, you go wave the flag. <laughs> you know, they... They, they know I'm here if they see me and people, if somebody's going to buy something from you they want to see you in person they don't want a phone call they want to kind of see the guy they're sending their money to right and um, I guess by listening and collecting all this stuff for all these years you've you know, gotten a, a basic knowledge of the history of a lot of these shows I would think correct oh yeah <laughs> yeah 
get it by accident, but you get it. So, in, in that case, do you ever do any, like, uh, like even at uh, Martin's show, uh, do you give any public speeches or anything like that about the history of a particular show or anything like that? No, I haven't done that. I've made, uh, I've done a lot of talks around locally. Okay. Uh, like, different um, civic clubs will invite me to speak after their lunches or something, and I'll, I'll do that. But uh, that's just general general knowledge. Mm-hmm. I never I never picked one series and did a vast amount of research on it. Okay. Because I know Martin does that. You know, we were oh, talking yeah. with him, and you know, he he puts out these giant. Uh, uh, tomes of like Duffy's Tavern and <laughs> Suspense yeah. and you know they're all thousand pages but you know he says you know I want to have all the details I can so you know which is great but I know when, I, when I'm looking for information he's the guy I call <laughs> um have you helped him? I assume so, yes. Uh, you know, in finding something when he's working on a book, like he just cannot find it anywhere and you just happen to have it. Is that correct? Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure. He's got an open-ended invitation anything he needs. <laughs> uh, he doesn't ask for much anymore. He used to years ago when he was kind of getting started. And, yeah. uh, but, you know, he's whatever he wants, is, he's got. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And have you ever used uh, all the shows you have in your collection in any, like, other capacity? Have you, like, um, like hosted, like, a, like your own radio show or anything like that and just said, you know, kind of introducing, you know, clips or even full shows uh, uh, from your collection or anything like that? Just curious. Yeah, I had a radio show. Uh, it's been years ago. But it was on a it was on a station, and I ran it under public affairs, hmm. and um, that way you didn't have to worry about the copyrights. Uh. And um, that went on for a couple of years, and then the station sold. You know, and I did it for free. I didn't get paid for oh. it. <laughs> and um, so the station was sold, and they wrote me a letter and said that we, you know, we do we do know that you have a, a following for your show but it just doesn't fit in our format and I was thinking you know that's the only time I ever got fired from a job I didn't get paid for but <laughs> that's the way it goes <laughs> wow I've done that and I've, I've donated thousands of hours to the schools for the blind oh wow Okay. And you think about it, uh, these things are perfect for somebody's blind because they don't need their eyes. Right. Well, of course, you know, you probably know uh, the Gassman brothers, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Real yeah. well. Yeah. Sure and, uh, you know, I was just down, I only could make it one day. I was just down to the most recent spurred back, and that's when I bumped into Martin Grahams again and the Gassmans. And I even talked to them on their show last night. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so I'm doing a lot of talking right now. So, you know, after all these interviews, I'm going, I'm getting a little hoarse. But, uh, <laughs> um, where was I going with all that? I was just oh, you said uh, you know donations for uh, the blind and everything like that. So, um, 
are the, I guess I don't know if I have a question about that, but that's a very good, generous thing of doing. Um, I guess is there much call for that type of stuff because uh, you know you don't think about it when you're a sighted person. Oh yes, you know it's like uh, this would be the perfect format for somebody who couldn't see. <laughs> so uh, is there a lot of demand from you for that? You know to put together compilations or selling or trading in that regard. Ooh, no, there hasn't been in years. I haven't done it okay. in quite some time. But uh, I don't know if their formats changed or whatever. I know, anyway, the guy that used to call me about it, he just quit calling. Mm. So I don't know. I also always wanted to, I thought that'd be great to go into nursing homes and stuff. But I don't know. I guess people would rather watch TV. <laughs> Yeah, it, it is kind of interesting and refreshing. I mean, Martin is, you know, about 10 years younger than me. And, you know, uh, I, I got the radio bug because, um, but not as much as him, uh, just because my dad always talked about, oh, yeah, when I was a kid, there was, you know, radio shows, not TV shows. And I go, really? <laughs> and I think the only show that was brand new in the 70s that I can remember is, it was, and I might have the title wrong, the CBS... Mystery, mystery theaters, theater. yeah, yes. yeah, and I used to listen to that, and then whatever, you know, if they occasionally said, here's a radio show of Jack Benny or Fibber McGee and Molly, and they just play something randomly on the radio, but nothing consistent. Um, I'm, I'm putting, in fact, talking about CBS Mystery Theater, I'm putting together every broadcast of that. There's 1,399 of them. Wow, I didn't even know that. I mean, I just yeah. listened to it, and I, I thought I listened to it for quite a while. It was, I, it was on for at least two years, right? Something like that. Oh yeah, I was on from I think it was seventy four to eighty one. Oh, okay, I probably was listening from like seventy seven to eighty one, something like that, because yeah. I I know when it ended, and I was kind of disappointed. I said, ah, the only radio show that's brand new. <laughs> You know, because I, I never kind of completely understood why radio had to completely die out. I could see, you know, why they couldn't continue it as it was. I mean, it's kind of like television now. Television is kind of going the way of radio in that, you know, everything's going streaming and everything else. But, you know. <laughs> There's nothing on. But um, and the reason radio went is because the advertisers wouldn't, wouldn't advertise. You know, they wouldn't support a program like they did before. They All the money was going into television. Mm -hmm. And without money, they're not going to be any radio. Wow. It's all profit-driven. Well, how did that uh, CBS Mystery Theater get on the air then in 74? Was that just a fluke thing, or do you know the history behind well, that? I, I can give you my thoughts on it. That's fine. Exactly. But okay. <laughs> Hyman Brown is the one that that did it and uh, he was also the uh, director and producer of uh, uh, Inner Sanctum hmm. so he was you know he'd been in radio forever and this was a period of time when it had a big nostalgia craze it was it was everything that was past was hot back then yeah. at that time so that's when he brought that in just to old CBS on it and they uh, they gave it a whirl and it was so popular that after that they did a show 
Children's Adventure Theater. It was on about the same time. And it was it aired on Saturday and Sundays, mainly for children. Mm-hmm. And then you had Zero Hour came in there, and there was a bunch of, uh, I call it, uh, revival mm-hmm. radio series that, that came in there. And um, also Sears Radio Theater come in there with, and it's, you know, there's a bunch of, I've got every episode of everything that came out that was those revival hmm. series. And uh, they're fun to listen to. They're good. Mm-hmm. I enjoy them. Now, when this revival came on, how how did you gain access? Were you just taping them off the air, or did you actually yeah, get the text? Yeah, tape them off the air. Okay. And they, I mean, they came out terrific because you're using those reel to reels, and uh, you just get a much better recording from those. I'm not. I hated to see them uh, not continue with those and you know they went to cassette now if they had put all that research and money into those reel to reels they would have been more fantastic recording <laughs> but, but they didn't hmm. yeah I have to say I am probably uh, the cassette generation myself I mean yeah. I've had a few reel to reels over the uh, years and even had a, a player but uh you know, my initial exposure to anything tape was a cassette tape, so I didn't even do eight-track tapes. So, <laughs> well, I, you know, that's when I was uh, when Radio Memories was going strong. And I mean, it, at one time, I was grossing a hundred thousand a year doing this, and plus I had my regular job. Wow! So I didn't, you know, I didn't have time to spit good. <laughs> uh, it was just, you know. Just turn them out, turn them out, turn them out. And then when, uh, I guess it was the radio researchers came in with, you know, all the free downloads, well, they just, uh, that, that destroyed all that. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I I, I make a little bit. I, it's enough to, I supplement my Social Security check with it. So. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a while there where there was a few different, I can't think of the company names, but there's a few different uh, companies that were marketing uh, old radio shows, uh, you know, kind of through the mainstream and everything like that. Oh, yes. uh, did they ever work with you or did, uh, did they ask you for copies of your shows so they could do that? Or... Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. I've done that before with used to be a company called Adventures in Cassettes. Yep. I worked with them. Mm-hmm. And um, I've supplied shows to to some of those companies. I also did um, some work for uh, the Biography Channel and A&E. Mm-hmm. And they're doing, you know, some of their uh, documentaries and they're looking for a sound clip or something, they'll call me. And I, the interesting thing was ABC News called me once, and they were looking for some show um, in Korea, some news from Korea. <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, I got that. I've got tons and tons of news. And I said, why don't you just go up to your archives and, and and get it. Don't you have all this stuff? I mean, it originally, I mean, you're the network that put it out. 
<laughs> and he said, well, we had a, a vice president that had everything destroyed before 1970. Uh. <laughs> stupid, stupid, stupid. Yeah. But, I, I don't know. I've heard horror stories of that over the years with television, film, videotape, everything. Yeah. You know, things uh, oh, yeah. dropped at the bottom of the Hudson Bay or was things like that or, you know, just wiped and erased over because it wasn't considered useful anymore. Um, did you did you ever go into collecting any other things like uh, television shows as well? I know, you know, I have a friend named Stu Shostak who started a showcase video based on kinescopes and stuff like that. So he did the same thing for TV as you're doing for radio. So anything with TV or just radio? Well, I've I've collected the stuff I enjoy, but not not to the extent of of what I do it with radio. No. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just, I'll buy a DVD or whatever when it's something that I want to see, but that's it. Okay. I mean, no, I know there's not enough time. Yeah. But they, you know, I don't get, I, I bet I hadn't turned the TV on last month. <laughs> Uh, I, I still have, you know, a fondness for television, but I'm kind of at this point, kind of like with you with radio, you know, I, I watch old shows on DVD. I don't yeah. I, I don't actually pay attention to the new stuff anymore. I, I don't want to consider myself an old fuddy-duddy, but I'm kind of getting that way. <laughs> well, I, I found this site on the Internet uh, that this guy's got all these old TV shows posted up there. The Millionaire and... Uh, General Electric Theater and Studio One and you know all those old 1950s TV shows and I'll, I'll watch one of those occasionally I like those mm-hmm. but what's on TV now I'm not going to watch Dancing with the Stars or some crap <laughs> like there's nothing on there's really nothing on there's 8 million channels and you can't find anything I want to watch right <laughs> Uh, have you? Uh, I'm trying to think of different shows. You know, there's uh, the uh, Steve Darnell's. Those were the days, I believe, is what it's called, and uh, they published the Nostalgia Digest. Have you participated or helped them out on any of their projects or anything like that? No. Okay. No. No. I, I'm not much of a writer. Okay. As far as writing articles or anything like that, I um, did write on. Write out something years ago on on how to tape on reel to reels because you know there's no there's no manual for that <laughs> um, you know technique mm-hmm. there's no manual for that it tells you how to do it but that's it, hmm. it nothing tells you you know where do you set your output on what do you do this you know how do you how do you record quarter track mono without inducing crosstalk things like that oh wow yeah. Never really thought about that, but I, like I said, I didn't really get into that format, so I, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's all there was for years, so. Got pretty, and then as soon as I learn all that stuff, then they come in with digital, and I gotta relearn everything <laughs> all over again. <laughs> Too much for this old man sometimes. <laughs> Now, do you, I, you know, well, I'll just ask, do you prefer the old formats or do you actually like the digital? Oh, that's a loaded question. (laughs) 
There's no right or wrong. <laughs> I've, I've got oh, a lot of nostalgia for the old reels. I, I love them. And, uh, but the sound quality on digital just outweighs everything because you don't, you don't have any generation loss. You don't have to do all that detective work that you did before. You find somebody that put it out in good sound, you go with that. Mm-hmm. Because you know it's going to be, you know, it doesn't make any difference what generation it was. It's going to be good. And that wasn't the same case with, with tape. Because you get some guy that might have a 20th generation copy, a cassette copy of something that was just garbage. You know, one of the things, one of the best examples is X-1. Mm-hmm. Years ago, I had a set of all of them. And the sound quality was so bad <laughs> that you might be able to catch every second or third word. Uh. And it was just so hard to listen to. I've got a set now that all of them in broadcast quality. Wow. Good. That's the difference. <laughs> That's the difference. Hmm. Yeah. I can see your point totally that the digital is better. Now, oh, yeah. have you had the ability yourself? I don't know how technically savvy, but you said you did a how-to, uh, uh, to improve the sound quality of something that's kind of in a poor shape, uh, or is it just beyond all hope sometimes if something's too muffled? Well, when something's too muffled or the sound is bad, then you got to start your detective work and see who they got it from, and start backtracking. And it, uh, you find somebody had to record everything from there somewhere. Mm-hmm. And you have to find as close as you can get. Sometimes the discs were just poor. Mm-hmm. And then there's nothing you can do about it. You can't make something better than it was originally. Mm-hmm. You just can't. Yeah, that's true. It's impossible. <laughs> I mean, you can make it, you can do some EQ to it and kind of. You know, if there's a little bit bassy, kind of, you know, knock down the bass a little and increase the highs a little bit. But then you're going to induce some hiss in there. And I mean, there's all kinds of, uh, for everything you do, you, you sacrifice something. Mm-hmm. It just depends, you know, is, is it something important enough? Now, I don't, I don't have all that equipment. They, they can go in there digitally now and remove little things, little annoying things. But it takes it takes $100,000 worth of equipment <laughs> and somebody that's got the time to spend maybe seven or eight hours on a 30-minute show. Wow. <laughs> and you're not going to do that unless it's something very, very important. Like I know a guy that's they're redoing um, the Orson Welles War of the Worlds mm-hmm. and they've been working for months on it <laughs> and that's something that's you know that's important enough to spend that kind of time on mm-hmm. but not everything is that important or you you run out of you run out of time you know you only got a certain amount of years right um, now things in your collection you do you said you do upgrades do you do like partial upgrades like if you have a show where 
somehow you got the second half of the show in pristine, but you still have the lousy first half. Would you sell things that way for a time where you have a, kind of a muffled first half, or would you just not bother with that? Mm, I would note it. Yeah. Um, you know, first half, very good. Second half, excellent. Or something like that. I would note it where they know they know what they're going to get. Yeah, but I assume you've, you've gotten upgrades like that where it's not the complete show, but it's like half of it or oh, something. Yeah. yeah. Sure. And then maybe down the line, the first half come in better. Right. You know? Okay. You just, uh, I'll upgrade anything if it's better than what I got. <laughs> um, do you have anything like sort of a, <laughs> that's probably, this is probably a loaded question, but like a wish list or anything of things you'd like to upgrade that you just have not found or anything like that? Maybe somebody has it in their basement or something? <laughs> a long run of the 15-minute Amos and Andes. I would love to hear those. Hmm. I've got I've got some, but I, I would love to have enough to put a whole storyline together. We got partial storylines, you know. I've, there's a lot more of that out there than there was years ago. Mm-hmm. Like there's probably four or five hours of it out there now. But there was they did it for so long that I don't even know if the disc survived or not. But that would be. That would be great. I would love to hear that. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I know you can't give up hope because even like it was like a week ago they you know this is an animation but you know they discovered yet another Oswald the Rabbit cartoon that had been lost. Uh, yeah. Some Japanese collector happened to have it and he bought it years and years ago, but he didn't know it was a missing cartoon until there was a book out that's you know the Oswald Rabbit book that said it was a missing cartoon he says oh i have that so that's why you know if there are things like that you know if anybody listening to this might say oh i have a collection of amos and andy why they would have it i don't know but you never know you know stranger things have happened so you know that's why i'm asking you (laughs) could have a whole bunch of those discs up in grandma's attic somewhere you know you never know right you know this um the whole mcgee and molly run was found in an old Johnson's Warehouse, Johnson's Wax Warehouse. So, and and a lot of it was underwater. Oh, wow! So you, you never know where this stuff's going to come from. Now, how does that work if it's underwater? I mean, how do, how do you how do you work with that without damaging equipment and things like that, or even the tape itself? No, they were on disc. Oh, they were on disc. Okay, so I yeah. guess that's a little bit better. <laughs> I was thinking it was a reel-to-reel, and it's like, how do no, you no, no, deal no, with those? No. <laughs> Everything was done on disc until, uh, I think they, um, Crosby bought the first reels from Germany uh, right after World War II. So there was nothing on tape before then. And radio was on its downhill climb when when tape came in. So almost everything was done on disc. Okay, is that including things? You know, I forgive my ignorance on radio for this, but I mean, was were things still done on disc even as late as uh, the late fifties, like when Half Gun or Travel was made and things like that? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I got some stuff from the late 50s and early 60s it came from disc 
Okay. So that was just the preferred format then, you know? Yes. Okay. Because I wasn't sure, because a lot of music albums were recorded, you know, at least from the 60s. I don't know about prior, you know, recorded on a tape versus a disc. But Yeah. I, I guess would that be because of multi-tracking? Is that would be the reason to do that? Whereas oh, it, you're getting into technical stuff that I'm <laughs> really proficient at. I call other people when I get into that. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, I guess my main question, which you could probably answer here, is you know, it's like you know, was the use of a disc to record radio shows just out of tradition, or it was a preferred format that worked better? It was a preferred format because every radio station had turntables. Hmm. And, you know, back in the 50s, and they would just, they, they would mail the disc out as to the different radio stations, especially if it was a syndicated show. Hmm. And, um, you know, they knew how to queue them up, everything else. I don't, I don't really know any further than that. Um, I don't know. You know, they probably made the recording on a tape mm-hmm. and then put that on a disc to send out to the radio stations, I would assume. Because everything the stations got was a were on disc. I see. Okay. But I think. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm, you know, I could be wrong. I well, I was I was kind of thinking more in the lines of not for mass distribution through radio stations. I was thinking more just the initial recording, like if uh, oh, yeah. you know if Jack Benny was on stage recording his show, was he always recording it directly to a disc or directly onto a tape initially? Well, in in, in the early years, it was to a disc. Okay. And if they made a flub, they'd start over. Oh wow! Okay, <laughs> uh, that's if it was going to be in syndication. Right. That's not if it was done live. Mm-hmm. But Benny had a recording company record all of his shows, so he could listen to them and see where he could improve on things. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, when tape came out. I think what they what they probably did is recorded the show on tape because they could edit tape. Ah. They couldn't edit a disc. And once they had it down the way they wanted to, then they put that on a disc and mailed it out to the stations that had bought it. Okay, that makes sense because, yeah, I was saying, you know, it's like, <laughs> I guess maybe in the early days they didn't have the ability to, and so they had to put it on disc, but... Uh, yeah. You know. And that was really something because if they're putting some on disc and the guy made a flub in the last thirty seconds of the show, that'd start over from the very beginning. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. never, even, never even thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, do any of those exist? I mean, or they they probably destroyed the masters or something on that, or the lacquers or whatever the word is. Uh, if there was a flub, so there's no flubbed versions of radio shows that you know of. <laughs> oh yeah, they're all through there. I got tons of them. Oh okay, so they did make it out. You know, they didn't re- not always destroy them, right? Is that what you're saying? Well, no. See the, the okay, the network shows were done live. Yeah. In fact, the network would not let you put anything 
out that had been transcribed unless you announced that this was a transcription or announced it. And that felt, that work felt like they were um, cheating or something. You know, it just wasn't as good. Mm-hmm. However, it was. It was just as good. But anyway, and so they would record it, put it on the disc as it was being aired. So whatever mistake was made went on that disc. Okay. Now, it's true, I think, uh, that at least in the early days, I don't know about later on, there is East Coast and West Coast versions of most shows. Is that correct? That's correct. Not a lot of them, but there were. Yeah, a lot of them had to go. They do one broadcast and then go back two or three hours later and do another, do the exact same thing again for yeah. the West Coast, so they could all uh, tune in at you know tune in Jack Benny at seven o'clock instead of you know if they only did it once it would be seven o'clock on the East Coast and then Central would be six and then five. And then the West Coast would be hearing at four in the afternoon. <laughs> so they had to do it so all of them would, you know, be broadcast at the same time. So I assume in your collection you have runs of those, the East Coast, East Coast versions and West Coast versions then? Yeah, I do on some of them, yeah. Uh, uh, Escape is one where I have East and West Coast. And the, how, how do you tell the difference on those? I mean, does it say it, or do you just figure it out? Uh, well, it was written on the desk. Oh, okay. Well, but, uh, I don't know. I don't have those type of things, because I, don't, I honestly don't know if I've seen that listed whenever I've listened to a show, unless somebody has pointed it out, that, oh, this is the East Coast edition of yeah. this show, you know. No, you might hear uh, you might hear a little bit of difference, but there's not much. I mean, it's the same script and the same actors. Hmm. Okay. Now, I got this one guy that just loves it, but I just, you know, to me, it's like listening to the same show again. You know, I just finished this one, now I'm listening to it again. But it's important, so I I use them. You know, I, I, I guess my main goal is to try to pass this on to the next generation hmm. in the best sound quality possible. That's when I record them in digital. I record them a cut above CD quality. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I want to, you know, if if we're going to archive it, it needs to be archived in the best sound quality possible. And explain what that means, a cut above. Does that mean like a Blu-ray or something like that? What do you mean, uh, cut above CD quality? Well, I'd have to get into a bunch of numbers here. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I don't, I don't really understand them. Um, hold on, it's. I'd have to go and look at that equipment. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's the bit rate and all that kind of stuff. It's, okay, it's better than CD quality. It's, it's archive quality. That's, that's the easiest way to explain it. Okay. And um, I mean, you can't take what I record and put it on a CD. You have to to uh, change the sample rate so it's a WAV file, and then put it on a CD. I see. But the the original, the master, is at the best sound quality possible. 
Okay. And those you keep on a, on hard drives, correct? Is that what it is? Correct. Okay. Yeah, in fact, I keep two. I keep the original that I did plus the WAV file. Now, would something like that in the initial you know, native version like that that you would have on a hard drive, could that be put on a Blu-ray or is even that not... Uh, I don't dynamic I enough. I haven't really looked into. Oh, okay. Because I know, like, um, you, you're familiar probably with the Beatles' White album. They just recently okay. reissued it, and strangely enough, uh, they put the mono version on the Blu-ray, <laughs> and uh, but they put the rest of it on standard CDs, and it's like, okay, so I had to play it on my Blu-ray player, and it had really good sound dynamics because, you know, it's Blu-ray. Um, so I'm just curious, would you ever go that far as to, you know, start selling some of your shows? Do people care that much about quality? I mean, I know you do for archival reasons, but would are any of your customers wanting it that pristine for their own collections? I, if they wanted it, I'd do it. Oh, okay. Sure. <laughs> All right. <laughs> just <Sure>. curious. <laughs> you know, because I know, you know, just because of collecting, you know, what I do, I collect, you know, I don't really collect old radio shows. I mean, I have a goodly amount, but, you know, I collect comic books and, you know, other things uh, and just standard records and uh, tapes and stuff like that. Uh, quality is key for a lot of people to the point where it's like, wow, you know. <laughs> But they're not necessarily an archivist. They just want it that way for their own personal collection. You're you're right. kind of doing it more for archival reasons, but yes. But it's uh, you know whatever anybody wants, I'm willing to do. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't think I've never had any requests for that. Mm, you know, okay. they ever wanted is they want them on a audio CD or in mp3 form hmm. now when I do it in mp3 I do it at a very high bit rate where you can't really hear any difference there is a difference but you, you I don't think you can audibly hear it yeah well so probably especially not for like spoken word things I bet <laughs> yeah that's true but I mean the sound quality is very very good on, even on the MP3s, mm-hmm. but it all has to start, in my opinion, with that very high quality digital transfer. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you said I think at the beginning of the show you have a couple fellows working with you on this. Uh, so, when your time is over, or when you just get tired of doing it, whatever, um, are they? prepared to carry on so is this set up to just be an ongoing thing even uh, beyond to you, your ability to, to work with old radio shows well yeah my, one of them that I work with he's a uh, he collects discs he's a disc collector and radio collector and I've already arranged with him I said if something happens to me you rent a semi and come down here and back up to my front door. <laughs> and you, I told him he's the one that's going to end up with them all. Wow. And, uh, you know, take them on home and, you know, keep doing it for the next generation. Wow. You know, this, cause this, you know we're looking at if these things are going to be 100 years old or yeah. too much longer. Yeah. 
and and that's the weird thing. I would hate to see all your work go in vain. It's like you're you're going for upgrades, storing them, you know, on uh, hard disks, hard drives, and then uh, you're gone and it goes. You know, it's like it's just tossed uh, out. And it's like ah, all that work. You know, <laughs> I've made arrangements for after my death because I I really consider this my life work. You know, I, I did the other thing for money, mm-hmm. but. I'm, this was my life work. This is what. This is my gift to the world. I guess you call it. Well, very good. It was a very good gift. So uh, I will say, even before you're gone, thank you very much. You know, I don't even know if I've gotten anything from you. You know, but you know, once I found out, wow, collecting for fifty years and you have this website, you you probably put a lot of care and attention into it, and, and you definitely oh, yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, everything is done from my masters nothing is gotten from and from downloads mm-hmm. and I think that's important I really do yeah because uh, you know like I was doing on that CBS mystery theater project one guy said yeah well 77 they all sound horrible and I'm sitting there with I said well mine, mine broadcast quality <laughs> I don't know. You've been getting, you got a bad set somewhere. Yeah. Hmm. So, I mean, when you listen to something, you want to you be able to listen to it and not have to strain. Right. Well, I definitely know those shows, you know, used to sound pristine on the radio. So it's like oh, I never bothered to tape them at the time. It never even occurred to me. I was about 10 years old. So it's like, you know. <laughs> I was just fascinated that there was a new radio show on at that time because, like I said, my dad would talk about the shows, and I knew who Jack Benny was. I even remember when he passed away, and uh, but my dad said, "Oh yeah, his show ended in the '50s," and it's like, "What?" But he's no. he's still around. Why can't he do new? You know, I didn't understand that TV had taken over. You know, I just thought they could do both. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, no, no, I. I I just um, fell in love with this stuff. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. Like I said, that's my that's my gift. Yeah. And you know, for me, the other show that you know, of course, he he still kind of does a version of it now. I believe is you know the Doctor Demento show. That was a, a long time radio show that I heard back in the early seventies. And you know, I've never heard that. I've heard about it, but I've never heard one. Well, there are discs of it. I have some of those, <laughs> but it's oh, yeah. Basically, you know, he, you know, Barry Hansen is Doctor Demento, and uh, he's a a record archivist and has written books himself, um, and basically a longtime collector of novelty songs, and uh, basically would introduce <laughs> each one, do a little history, and then play the song in its entirety, and then go to the next one. So um, it was kind of like a you know, being a DJ, but instead of just playing the top 40, you're playing, you know, silly songs. So that's what he did, and still does. I always, I always love novelty songs. Yeah. That, that should be good. Yeah, so, well, if you haven't heard those, I recommend those. I Like I said, I, I have a few of those shows. He used to come out from Westwood One. That was the uh, distributor yeah. of his show at the time, but I think now he does a podcast, too, like this. So. <laughs> oh, okay. But, um, uh, anyway, uh, so I'm very happy that uh, somebody is doing this. You have it established for a new generation. Um, 
some people who don't collect this stuff or don't understand this stuff, you know, it's like, well, you know, it was done for a reason at one time, and it should be preserved. That's how I feel about it. Yes, it's history. You know. History, yes. And uh, is there any last words that you'd like to say, or if you want to plug the website or anything like that? Sure. Uh, anybody that's interested, go to www.radiomemories.com, and we'll take care of you. All right. Promise you, Promise you that. <laughs> and like you said, it's sold in various formats. You still do tapes at this point, or just CDs? And... I do. I don't get many requests for them, but okay. yeah, I still got all my old cassette masters. I, I do cassettes, and but main thing is uh, is CDs, and I do MP3 CDs too. Very good. And and if you want them, if you want them by Dropbox, I can do that too. Any <laughs> way you want it. Wow. So you're all high tech here. <laughs> Just tell me what you want. I've even got a uh, a buyer's group where every month we put out two hours of uncirculated material, two hours of circulating material, all from disc. Wow. Every one of them is first generation. And then a, a usually a, an, a, an hour, a bonus hour of BBC material. Mm-hmm. And that costs twenty five dollars a month, and uh, I had good success with that. A lot of people like getting them, you know, direct from the disc like that. Is that like a subscription service in a way? Yeah. Okay, yeah, got they it. Pay okay. me, pay, pay me twenty five dollars a month, and every month you get a link mm-hmm. to where they are, and you just download them. Mm-hmm. And you, you you said you uh, appeared at Martin Graham's uh, Mid Atlantic show. Are you any plans to return there, or to Spurdback, or to any other radio conventions, or anything in the coming year? Well, the only reason I don't go to Spurdback is they don't allow dealers. And oh. I got no way to recoup my travel expenses or anything, and it's a long way. Right. So, but I, I will definitely go to Martin's again next year. Okay. Uh, because I can defray a little bit of that anyway. Yeah. And he was telling me that uh, convention has really grown. So, yeah. boy, it is something else. He, he has like ten stars there every every year. Yeah. <laughs> so I haven't made it out there yet myself, but I do plan to go at some point. So. <laughs> well, you won't be disappointed. I guarantee you. <laughs> it is something else. All right. Well. Um, I think that's about all I was going to cover. I just wanted to know a little bit about what you do, and, you know, it's fascinating, all this stuff about uh, your radio archiving that you've been doing yes. for 50 years. That's a long time. Yes. That's a long time to do anything. That's true. <laughs> and I hope you continue on, maybe not for 50 years, but as long as you can, you know. So okay. I, your work is appreciated, so I want to thank you very much. Thank you. I enjoyed talking to you. Okay, and thank you, Ted, for being guest on this podcast today. Okay. And I'll yeah, let you know. Day. I'll let you know when it airs in a few uh, in a day or two. So, all right. Okay. Thank Thanks you very so much. much. Have a good day. Okay. Bye. You too. Bye bye. Thank you again for listening, and thank you again, Ted Davenport, for being my special guest today. Episode number nineteen will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com.
You can become a patron of Fun Ideas Productions, and if everyone listening just contributed $1 a month, that would be a tremendous help. This has been the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2019 Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you very much, and have a good night.